Hey, hello, hi, welcome to and or back to the Equitheory podcast. I am your host, Jill Treese. And on this podcast, we talk about all things equine and theory, behavior, problem behaviors, troubleshooting, developing shaping plans, just being a relatable equestrian. At least I'm trying. <laughs> I don't know if it is. But um, yeah, just a bunch of deep dives into what it's like to be in the horse world for humans and horses. So without further ado, let's jump into it. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. So on this episode, I am going to be covering trailer loading because it's it's very topical in my life right now. That's what I'm working on. Um, but first, before we jump super deep into that, I want to just kind of discuss what happened last week. So um, bumpy, bumpy start, bumpy takeoff, if you will. Um, I got the episode recorded and it was a big learning curve. This was my first time doing the video portion. And in hindsight, should I have probably done all of this before I announced the relaunch? 100%. Is that how I function and typically do things? Absolutely not. So um, in typical Jill form, that is what we did. So um, I, I live in the boonies in Arkansas, if you're not aware. And at the last farm we were at, the internet was fantastic. At this farm, not so much. It is absolutely abysmal and might as well be dial-up. <laughs> so trying to get the video uploaded to YouTube, it was just stuck on uploading 0%. And I was like, this is this seems like a problem. I've never had an issue where it like wouldn't actually go through because I've uploaded videos to YouTube from here and it's not been a problem, but it's such a big video because it is so long. Um, so I actually ended up having to go to my boss's house and upload it on her Wi-Fi over the weekend. Finally got it up. Then I set the launch <laughs> for 12 a.m. Accidentally didn't realize that YouTube had already pre-selected the day, the next day, the following day. Um, so it was just a gigantic mess. Uh, and then also adding to the cluster of issues, um, it didn't upload to Spotify which is fun. Uh, GarageBand used to export to MP3 and now it exports to M4A. Spotify demands MP3 format in order to publish it. So lots of boring technical things. It's up now. I realize the issue and it should not happen again. I do think that it's happened before to me in the past, um, but it's been a hot minute since I've been podcasting regularly. So, uh, you know, just trying to get back in the flow of things also getting back in the flow with new elements being on video. So if you are listening on Spotify, this episode, I will be inserting uh, little video clips here and there. So if you do want to check this one out on YouTube, I highly recommend doing so. But if you're just listening, it's it's not going to be a whole lot to miss out on. But 
anyway, that stuff out of the way. Um, yeah, I just, I wanted to thank you guys for the positive reception on the last podcast. I had several people text me or DM me and be like, I'm so glad the podcast is back and I love the new format and all of that. So it just, it means a lot to me because this is a lot of work and I put a lot of money into this. Um, and I, I've really, like I said on the last episode, done a lot of, or spent a lot of time evaluating what I want, what's worth it, what's not. And the podcast was like, this is my thing. And I really, really enjoy doing it. So um, if I can get over myself and the perfectionism, then this will be a regular thing. And also the like having an issue starting things. Um, speaking of which, because I'm looking at it right now, <laughs> one of the biggest issues with doing the video podcast is uh, like I said in the last episode, I used to record them at like 4 a.m. Um, or 3 a.m. sometimes if I forgot to record tomorrow's episode. Um, and so, you know, I'm like no makeup looking like a disgruntled bridge troll. And um, now I have to like, you know, try to be semi-presentable. And I am dealing with quite a bit of acne at the moment. Like my whole forehead is overtaken. Also my jawline. Um hormonal issues that we are working out with my doctor it's not my makeup it's not my skincare routine please don't I I've done the research I don't need suggestions but if you have a really good one then send it my way but that's it okay so please ignore the acne it's natural it's normal <laughs> every zit is beautiful right okay so just I feel like I have to say that I am aware that I have acne so I don't get comments that are like, Jill, your skin looks really bad. I'm like, yeah. yeah. Um, Also, my face does not match my neck, which is cool. Um, Whatever, it's Walmart makeup, uh, which totally undoes my argument, but it's supposed to be like really nice. I don't know. I did research. Um, Okay. Anyway, thank you guys so much for your patience with me and my rambling and how long it took for the podcast to come back. And it is so truly heartwarming to see so many people like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. It's my favorite podcast, which is unbelievable to me. There's so many good ones. And for those of you that said that, um, even if you were just being nice and it's not actually your favorite, uh, I don't tell me that it was Cap <laughs> because I sincerely appreciate that. It means a lot and it makes it all worth it because this podcast is as much uh, for you guys as it is for me. So, sorry for the hard swallow there and the neck pop. Um, Yeah, so this episode, let's get into the topic. It's all about trailer loading, a lorry, a float, if you will, whatever you call it from wherever you are. Um, it, It is a really, really common issue. I think a lot of horse people deal with um trailers are inherently scary for a lot of horses some horses will walk right up in there with no issue having never done it before while other horses are like what on earth are you expecting from me right now and so hopefully some of you can relate and if you are struggling with a trailering issue with your horse this episode will be helpful for you and if you're not maybe it'll be something to refer back to in the future or just something to think about give you some ideas for um you know other training behaviors because the thing is about training horses and you know working with them and with what no matter what method you use um, or approach it it all boils down to the same principles so um, I'll be predominantly predominantly talking about positive reinforcement 
and doing it from a clicker training approach. But you can do it in many other ways. Um, I'm not sure. I'm sure there's, I could do a breakdown on like how to do it with negative reinforcement, but I prefer not to. Um, That's not the way that I prefer to train. Um, And positive reinforcement, just especially for people like me who like a lot of structure in that I need clear step by step by step in order to you know, make progress on anything like this podcast, I had to be like, okay, get the mic, get the headphones, get the audio processor, learn how to use the equipment, come up with your first episode, get the layouts for like all of the thumbnails and the cover art and all of that, get that all sorted before you jump into it. Um, Otherwise, it's this big daunting thing, like start a podcast or get back to podcasting. Um, So I would like for you guys to consider that in terms of approaching trailering. So you don't simply train a horse to trailer or to load on a trailer. There are lots of little things that have to come first. So, um, you know, first I kind of wanted to talk about some of the traditional approaches and where the fear originates, where it comes from. So the reason a lot of horses don't want to get on the trailer, and of course, Every individual is different. I am predominantly talking about horses that struggle with trailering. Um, If your horse is one that just walks right in and has no issue, stands, lets you clip them in, and then you can, like, you know, grill a steak (laughs) in the back of the trailer before you shut the partition, Um, then this, I'm not talking about your horse. Um, I'm talking about horses that really struggle with it. So a lot of the issues that horses have with it are they're inherently claustrophobic creatures. They don't like to be closed in in small spaces. They are designed to be out roaming and foraging, browsing, grazing, doing horsey things. A lot of it is centered around movement. And when that is restricted and they're locked inside a small area, um, it can be really stressful for them. So, you know, you see a horse trailer, a lot of them, you know, whether it has a ramp or a step up, it's a dark enclosed space and they're like I actually don't want any part of entering that cave no thank you and for some horses um you know I think I think that there's always a little bit of humans are the predator um just instinctively but for some horses depending on how they're trained and how their experiences with humans have been how um they interact with humans regularly some some horses might perceive humans as extra predatorial. So you're asking them to follow you into this big metal cave that creaks and squeaks and booms when they step in it. Um, so it, it can be really scary for horses. It's kind of a big ask. And like when we moved out to this new farm and so many of our horses hadn't been on trailers in a really long time, I was absolutely blown away that like every single one of them did not struggle <laughs> to get in the trailer. Um, I was like, you guys are crazy trusting. (laughs) If I were a horse, I would be like, miss me with that. No, no, you can't. Um, so beyond the claustrophobia element, there is the instability of the trailer. So when they get in it, it can wobble a little bit. And for horses that are particularly careful or maybe a little more insecure and like really like things to be a certain way, um, like the horse that I'm going to talk about later, Oh, I hope you couldn't hear that. It was quite the deep rumble of a burp, but, um, they, they really don't 
enjoy the instability of the floor, like the ground is suddenly moving and that can be really unsettling for some horses. Um, or it's just putting their feet on something different. It's rubber, even if it's the same turf as the barn floor, now it's elevated and it's hollow. And when they step into it, it makes a sound and it moves also sometimes, um, depending on the trailer, you know? Um, and so there's that element and I've encountered this particular issue, which I think is interesting and I'm not sure that I have a full conceptualization of it yet, or if I'm on the right track. But I've worked with two different horses now that seem to have like an insecurity around their hind end. And what I mean by that is like they're very, very careful about what they put their hind feet on. And they, they're they pretty keen to work with their front feet, but their hind feet, it's like, mm, I don't know what you're asking me to do. And um, those the two horses that I've worked with that I've seen this issue in, it's like they they feel like they're going to take a misstep and they almost don't trust their hind feet. Um, and of course they're horses, they're out in the field running and jumping over stuff all day long. They know where their hind feet are. And it irritates me when people say that they, they don't know where their feet are. Um, they do. (laughs) Um, but it's, they have more control over their front feet versus their back feet in that they, they can see a little bit more with their front feet. It's, it's already on the front of their body where their head and their brain is. They're already thinking, forward about that and then to go back to the hind end it's a little bit more concentration they might lose the concentration on the front and so it can be I don't know if I'm explaining this well but I like it's it's more of a a sense that I get um that it, it just the way not like in a I'm mystical my crystal ball but like it's just the impression I get from these horses that it's like stepping over things with their hind feet onto things with their hind feet. They're just not super willing to do it. They'll go walk over poles with their front feet all day long with their back feet. They, they freeze. And, um, so there's that. The last thing is the lack of understanding. Um, so that gets into why I think a lot of traditional or other approaches to trailer loading training run into problems. A lot of times is, Um, if you walk a horse up to a trailer and you say, okay, follow me into this, you're not following me. You know how to lead. You know what I'm asking you. You're just being defiant. Now, the problem with that is the horse still is not understanding the question. When you're leading them somewhere, you're usually taking them to a destination. They're going through or to somewhere. And with a trailer, there's seemingly no destination and once they get in there where do they go like it's not a following through behavior I guess and so beyond that it's also you're dealing with the fear and the uncertainty and if you don't handle it correctly or address that anxiety well then you set yourself up to run into some issues (laughs) let's say um so like I've seen a lot of different approaches to trailer loading and some of the more traditional approaches are actually very kind and centered around reading the horse's insecurity and rewarding them, if you will, 
reinforcing is probably the better word, um, reinforcing them by taking them away when they show progress or just um, like the cat H, allowing them to relax and then reinforcing by removing them, uh, taking the pressure off or just asking them to stand and settle a little bit before you move on. Um, So those can be the more ethical approaches. Um, The Clint Andersons of the world, um, I in the, what is the title of that video? My dominance theory video that I did here on YouTube um, is like 40 minutes long or so. And I show a lot of clips of trailer loading and the way that people (laughs) in that natural horsemanship field do. And it's just straight up abuse. I don't love to throw that word around because as a positive reinforcement-based, science-based trainer, um, I already get a lot of grief for thinking, or like the perception is that positive reinforcement trainers think that everything is abuse. It's not true. It's just when you're beating animals and deliberately throwing them into the deep end to the wolves, so to speak, in terms of their fear threshold, their anxiety, I prefer to help them understand in a way that does not create more stress and anxiety because stress and anxiety can produce ulcers. It can produce negative associations with me or with the thing that I'm trying to get them comfortable with. So I just don't think it is a wise idea to lead a horse up to a trailer. And if they don't immediately jump in, you know, you start pulling on the lead rope and then maybe if they still won't get in, somebody comes from behind and starts, you know, smacking a whip on the ground. And the whole idea with, you know, hitting the horse from the front, behind creating energy from behind um the the whole idea and the reason that works is because you're making the alternative to getting in the trailer being standing outside the trailer refusing to go in going backwards going sideways all of those things are more unpleasant more painful or scarier than actually getting in the trailer and so <laughs> then then over time if this happens multiple times in a row Um, well, number one, the horse is only getting on the trailer because it's afraid of the threat if it doesn't, because then it's just going to get beaten or scared. Um, because for some horses it's on the same level, um, to smack a whip on the ground as it is to hit them. It depends on the individual, like, um, to compare it or relate it to people terms. Um, (laughs) my God, Zuko is just infuriating. Um, but to, to put it into human terms, is that some people being verbally yelled at or talked down to or shamed or whatever could potentially be on the same level as the the feeling internally of being hit or slapped or punched you know it feels just as bad if not in some cases worse um so you know there's a lot of a lot of variability. It depends on the person. It depends on the horse. Um, in dog training, they talk about how sometimes verbal um, reprimands can be just as punishing as the physical ones. Obviously, it's not doing physical harm, but the emotional, mental uh, damage that comes from it is shouldn't be ignored. Um, and so with that, um, as I was saying, that the horse is getting on the trailer to avoid the threat. Um, and 
the other issue is if the horse doesn't automatically decide from that one encounter with all of that pressure and threat and force and coercion, if they don't get on the trailer the second time, um, now if it happens again, now they know anytime that they're led up to a trailer that they're going to be beaten. And some horses don't connect the, if I get in, it stops. And especially since a lot of times the, the abusive elements, this is going to be a weird sentence, just a heads up. The, uh, the abusive elements aren't done well. So if the horse takes a step forward, the pressure doesn't go off. So the horse is just completely lost. So if this horse is walking up to the trailer and they're slinging the flag, hitting the ground with the whip, hitting the horse's bum, like if, if the horse takes a step forward and the pressure doesn't go away, there is no right answer. The only right answer is so far off in the distance, the horse can't usually deduce it. So if you are going to scare or, you know, force a horse into a trailer, especially if it's an emergency situation and the horse has to go to the vet or the horse has to do this or that, obviously I'd prefer the, the elements that I'm going to talk about later on in the episode. Uh, we prepare the animal for success. You can only fall to your level of preparation. Uh, usually with horses and time constraints, there is very little rising to the occasion. It's falling to the level of preparation, to quote uh, what Warwick Schiller always says. Um, so in that regard, I, I, it would behoove you if you are ever in that situation to really pay attention to any attempt, any lean, any muscle twitch, any step hesitation to go forward, to take all pressure off because you are reinforcing the behaviors you want. And negative reinforcement is the removal of an aversive stimulus in order to increase the odds of a behavior occurring again. So if you want the horse to go forward and you're applying pressure, you know, slapping the whip on the ground and the horse takes a step forward, stop. Let the pressure off the lead rope. Everybody go still and let the horse consider think before asking again. Um, we've had to do that many times and it is one of my least favorite things in the world. But if you do it right and well and take your time and go slowly, it usually goes a lot faster than just beating the horse <laughs> and also reduces a lot of the stress that comes from those situations that escalate way too far. Um, that is an emergency case scenario. I highly recommend doing everything in your power to avoid that being necessary um, because emergency situations, yes, they come up with horses, but it like not so often that you don't have time to prepare. So um, what I would say is to actually spend time training and working with your horse um, to make sure that they understand and that they're comfortable with it. And it's something that they're participating in because they understand the objective. So um, what I'll be talking about is the positive reinforcement side of it, how to help the horse create a positive association with the trailer while learning to load. So I feel like that's, that's where a lot of the issues come about in trailer loading training, quote unquote, um, is that there's a lack of training the people working with them and myself in the past, I, I have been very, very guilty of this with multiple different horses before I started learning more about learning theory and training science and things like that. So if you are not actually teaching the horse to load by giving them a direction and rewarding the small attempts and doing it gradually and not an all in one day kind of thing, then you're not actually teaching anything. You're just expecting the horse to 
obey and comply. Um, so in that same vein, there is this over expectation of compliance, like, well, my horse does everything else. Well, I can ride him, I can show him, I can do all of these things with him. He stands great for the farrier. He just won't get on the trailer. So he's being defiant, disrespectful. He's been on a trailer before he knows what we're asking and he still won't do it. Um, so that over expectation for the horse to simply comply is a little bit entitled in my opinion and very unfair to the animal because you are not giving them any sort of compassion or empathy that this might actually be quite scary for them and that you might need to take some responsibility and actually training the animal instead of just expecting it to do as you say and being a little bit of a fascist about it. Um, so this is where we get into the second element of this. So that's all of the, the preface. Um, good 20 minutes on that. Um, so this the second element will be about addressing the horse's concerns. So what are the horse's concerns? And this is where you, if you have an issue with your horse trailer loading, maybe like sit down. If you have video of it, review the footage. If you don't, just take like 10 minutes out of your day to sit down and write down what you have experienced in this and try to leave opinion out of it so much. Like, oh, he was being disrespectful, defiant, like avoid labeling it. Um, but write down what you saw, what happened when you did X, the horse did Y. Um, so for me in working with horses, I'll be talking about a current example, um, with a horse named six. That is my boss's personal horse at the moment. Um, he is a, I want to say he's a nine-year-old thoroughbred. Um, he, he has some very specific indicators. He's, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He's very expressive facially. And I think that if, if somebody was to work with him and not pay attention to those things, you, you miss a lot. And when you're not paying attention to the horse's facial expressions, their body language, their displacement behaviors and calming signals, um, then you, you miss a lot of opportunity to address the concerns early on. And then that's when horses start rearing and flipping and backing up or kicking or biting and like things escalate or the horse shuts down entirely and just freezes outside the trailer and no amount of encouragement will euphemize there. Um, we'll get them on the trailer. So, um, yeah, let's talk about sixes behaviors. So like I said, uh, to paint the picture, he is a nine-year-old thoroughbred gelding. Uh, he's a chestnut and he's about 15, two. We need to stick him. Regardless, <laughs> he is very expressive in his face, like I said. And so initially in my work with him, it started before I started working with him. So my boss trailers to lessons about an hour and a half away, a good slur there, um, about an hour and a half away. And she goes twice a week with him. And, you know, she bought him to be her show horse and to go and do all of these things with, and he won't get on the trailer. <laughs> so that poses a bit of an issue. And so she and I have done several, several times that she's had to go to lessons. I usually have to go down and help him get on the trailer. 
and um, the first time we had additional hands and we went to load him up and I led him up to the trailer and I'm standing inside the trailer and he is just a diarrhea factory, like just loose stool so many times. It was absurd. I was like, how much more can come out? <laughs> and immediately one of the the guys that feeds here um started with his hat behind him like come on get on and I was like no 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 stop 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 <laughs> and he was like okay okay and I was like let's not go there yet let's give him a shot first and so um this this was not a positive reinforcement training situation he needed to get on the trailer uh for my boss and I had a treat pouch. So this is the difference between positive reinforcement and luring. Yes, I was luring strategically because I'm a positive reinforcement trainer. However, this is luring. When you have food and you're shaking it at the horse and they're like, oh, you have food, I'll take a step forward. Then I would reward him for that. And so instead of just holding the bucket and backing up into the corner of the trailer and being like, you get it when you get on, um, I was actually systematically rewarding him for small steps in the right direction. And eventually he walked right up in with no issue. Um, still, lots of diarrhea, very worried facial expression. His eyebrows were, you know, arched. And I think there's, I, I'm not actually sure how factual this statement is, but allegedly horses do have more facial expressions than even dogs. Um, if you learn to read them and read them accurately, they can actually tell you a lot about where the horse is at and how they feel about things. So it's very important to pay attention to those things. And in the moment, I felt so bad because I was like, I know you're not good with this, but she wants you to go to the lesson, so we got to do it. And, you know, she's doing her best too and is just like, what do we do? Everybody in that situation was doing their best. Even the guy that went straight to his hat. I don't like, you know, think he's the worst person in the world. That's just what he knows. And I was like, maybe let's, let's not escalate to that right at the start. Um, so anyway, it has become more of an issue to where he won't even walk up in the trailer. He's just gotten more and more anxious about it. And that that is the problem with ignoring those small stress signals. Um, you know, obviously the relieving himself in front of the trailer is not the um, most subtle, but it, if anything, it's very obvious how anxious and nervous he is. And, um, but like the arch in his eyebrow and the looking away, like one of the first things I noticed when I led him up to the trailer is he is turning his head almost all the way around away from the trailer he I can see the whites of his eyes because he's looking anywhere but the trailer his front feet are pointed at it but he is intentionally not even acknowledging the trailer like he knows it's there and he knows I'm inside it and that I'm asking him to get on it but he won't even look at it and so that that was where I started with that before I was even asking for a step I was like just look look in this direction and I'll feed you and that is where we started and he got on pretty quickly but like I said it's gotten worse I haven't been there every single time and also it's not training it's just bribing him onto the trailer and so um my boss went away for vacation over I think it was last weekend or so and she was like your job is to work with six and get him comfortable with the trailer. And I was like, okay, don't know that a weekend is going to be enough, but I will give it my best shot. Thankfully, we have had some issues with weather and um, there have been some other extenuating circumstances that have 
allowed him to stay here and not need to go anywhere else, which I'm like, yes, thank you. Um, thank you, the divine, whoever, uh, for allowing me more time to work with this horse because, um, rushed training is never good training. And, um, there's, there's some meme out there that's like, you know, uh, I think it's like somebody slapping a piece of duct tape over a very large leak. That's like, I can train your horses in three days (laughs) and you can't. You simply cannot do it. Um, you you can make the horse semi-compliant, but it's not training. Um, and it creates more issues than it solves. So with him, what, um, let me make sure that I'm not addressing or skipping anything here in my notes. So um, he wouldn't look at the trailer. He had a very worried expression. And I think that a big issue for Six is a lack of ability to make decisions for himself um not because he can't but because he he seems scared to try and I don't know his past owners he could have had a absolutely delightful life um what I do know is that he he came from a trainer that really likes hot horses and she sold him to us because she was like he's just not hot I have tried to make him hot and he doesn't go hot he is very calm relaxed laid back more of an introverted thinking type and doesn't doesn't have that so like I can imagine what that means but I don't know for sure and it's not particularly valuable to speculate on it Uh, we don't know if he had any issues trailering before um And honestly, like while sometimes, yes, it can be helpful information like, oh, yeah, he had a bad experience with a ramp and he prefers step ups. While that is perhaps useful information, it doesn't really go anywhere because I think good training covers all the bases and fills in every hole. So you don't necessarily need to know why there might be elements where the horse kind of stalls out in progress or has more hesitation than another might. Um, and an explanation, uh, of the history might explain why, but it doesn't give you a path forward. Um, what gives you a path forward is listening to the horse, working with the horse and reinforcing the behavior, helping them take a little more control over the situation and rewarding them for that. So with six, he was very afraid to try, obviously. Um, it seemed like he was more content or more comfortable is probably a better way of putting it more comfortable, not trying for fear of being wrong than trying and being wrong. And what might happen if he is, um, so like I said, he would still get on with the force, but every single time he was brought to the trailer, he would resist. So why might that be? That might be because the the whole experience of getting on the trailer has historically been so bad that every time he approaches the trailer, he's like, oh, I'm going to get beaten or oh, somebody's going to scare me um, or I'm going to have to get in this box that I'm afraid of. But I'm also more afraid of the people that are yelling and screaming at me and throwing whips behind me um, than, you know, doing this. Um, so there's a lot of anxiety and stress around it. And I think that in almost every case, if not conclusively every case with horses, if you can make the experience as stress-free as possible, that is the best way to go. Um, Horses are not animals that deal with stress very well. They cope in all sorts of ways and not particularly healthy ways sometimes. Um, And it is very obvious that there's a lot of fallout on the anxiety side if you create a lot of stress. 
and the horses have behavioral fallout, if you will. So um, I think what Six's primary concerns are is he's afraid to try and he's afraid that he'll be wrong and what will happen if he's wrong. He's afraid of the excessive force that comes with being forced to get onto the trailer. Um, And what I noticed in my work with him, which I'll get into a little bit when I start breaking it down, is he seemed to have that hind feet insecurity, if you will. I'm not sure if that's quite the term that we'd like to go with there, but he, he was uncomfortable putting his hind feet on stuff. Um, and he's also very wary of different surfaces at different levels and heights and the instability of the ramp. And, um, you know, so that's a lot to work with in a weekend. So I'm very glad that I've had more time to work with him and I think it's been far more productive and I wish it was a little bit more pervasive in the horse world that like, if you take the time to address the issues fully before they have to go anywhere, then, you know, you get a much better result. Because what I'm worried about is that if the training is not done per se, before he has to go somewhere, then he is going to go back in the training. And that inconsistency and like not knowing if it's going to be a good experience or a bad one sets us back in the training. So if we can fully help him understand that it's a good thing, that the trailers are good and that he's not going to be hurt, it's going to be fine and he's just going somewhere else and then he's always going to come back, like those sorts of things, then um, we have a much better shot at helping him be consistently confident and loading on the trailer. So those are my goals is to help resolve those concerns and reduce the stress stress exhibitions, behaviors. Um, so in addressing those concerns, I started with him. I was like, okay, what can he do that is closest to the target behavior? At the beginning, absolutely nothing. <laughs> like he, uh, obviously you can lead him with a halter and a lead rope, but he knew nothing about clicker training. So I first had to start with him on understanding what the clicker is, that it means that food is coming and what you did was right. And those two are connected, that you're getting food because what you did was right. And so I started out with targeting and teaching him to like, I have my little buoy target stick and started out teaching him to follow the target stick and first just touch it, then, you know, I I move it a little bit. If you take a step towards it, don't touch it. (laughs) Uh, Click and treat. The touching creates frustration if they're following it because it's constantly moving. It's annoying. Um, So clicking him for just moving with it. Um, And so we started there and we spent the whole first day. um, I kept the sessions to around an hour. Usually when I start out with positive reinforcement, I like to keep them much shorter than that. And I think our first session might have been 30 minutes, but even then that's still pretty long. Um, but I had limited time and I was like, we gotta do what we gotta do here. Um, let's see if we can push it a little bit. Um, and so he was pretty good with that. He started tapping out mentally around 30 minutes. Um, but it was just the following. And so then the next step was, okay, you can now follow the target. That's pretty close to getting on a trailer. You have to follow me onto a trailer. Um, So that's where you start your shaping plan. What can the horse do that is closest to the target behavior? I want him on the trailer and right now he has learned to target and follow a target stick. Great. So um, that was the first step. Then the second step is I actually 
have a pedestal. Um, I'll insert a picture of it here. It's a big, big box. Uh, I don't know what the dimensions are. It's probably like three, maybe four feet by like two feet. Um, and it's about the height of a step up trailer, maybe a little shorter. Um, and me and my dad actually built it and it's very, very big and very heavy, uh, well reinforced. And as we were building it, we were like, uh, we might've made it too big. I don't know if that's going to fit in Jill Subaru. Um, but it does surprisingly. And I took it to another client's house that had a similar loading issue as six. And we worked with that pedestal for so long. Uh, I left it there for quite some time. Cause I was like, I am not putting that back in my car every day. Um, so with six though, I'm, I'm able to work with him every day. Whereas with a client, it's like, you know, maybe twice a week. Um, so with him, I was like, okay, let's, let's try for the pedestal. And I, I think it's a, a really good first step because it's not the trailer. So the trailer is his source of anxiety. This horse won't even look at the trailer. And if he gets near it, he starts just unloading the bowels. And, um, so it's not great to start with the thing that stresses the horse out the most. And if you don't have a pedestal and are not particularly interested in building one, I highly recommend that you reconsider because it is so worth it and it's fun. Um, but secondly, um, you can do other things. You can help your horse get acclimated to standing on different surfaces because that is a big part of the trailering problem is that the what they're stepping onto feels different. It's a little more unstable and it makes sound. And so with six, I was like, okay, the ramp is the perfect place to start. It's a step up, which is arguably more complicated than the ramp. But this way I can teach him to put his feet onto something. And um, so for you, if you don't have a pedestal, you might consider using something like a, a doormat first. Uh, which is what I wish I had been able to do with six. It would have been helpful. And in hindsight with my past client horse, because it just makes it a little clearer for them. Um, if you teach them to step on a mat first and put their front feet on the mat and then their hind feet, um, and then you can gradually move the mat onto a higher surface and then have them put their feet on that. And you can transition that to the trailer and you can move the mat back. Like it's, it's very helpful for that. Um, and just adds another level of clarity for the horse. They're like, Oh, okay. I've been putting my feet on this. That's what they're asking. And now it's inside the trailer, um, or on the ramp or at the first opening or right before it, whatever it, it, it just helps clarify to the horse what you're asking and help give them some control over it because you're not pulling them into the trailer. You're like, okay, whatever your cue is for the mat, it might be mat or place. A lot of dog trainers use place. Um, something like that. That's a cue to send them to the mat. Um, and so I wish I'd been able to do that with him, but I was like, we're kind of accelerated here. And I don't know that, um, the way that I did it actually accelerated things because, um, there was one day he was very good at targeting. We started out there, you know, always go back to the beginning, start with what the horse knows and what they're good at, get going with the training, get back into the training mindset, um, after pulling them out of the field or whatever. Um, and then I was like, okay, target to this, this pedestal. And, um, he would, 
he would walk up to it and he would sniff it and I'd click him for that. I'm clicking him for acknowledging the pedestal, seeing it, thinking about it. That's what I want. I want you to keep thinking in the pedestal's direction. Um, And then he would start, you know, like bumping into it with his hooves, getting close to it. And I would click him for that. And then that's about where we stalled out. And I could not get him to even think about lifting a foot. He was just like, there's something in my way. I can't, how am I supposed to get to the target? I can't, I can't move forward. There's something blocking me. And I was like, yes, six, but you can step on it actually. And he, he seriously did not believe me. And, um, so that was, I think I spent probably 45 minutes trying different approaches because the pedestal is longer than it is wide. So I'd be like, okay, maybe the wider side, then you'll think about it, or maybe the longer side or whatever. Um, and then I started thinking, um, like about 30 minutes in, I was like, this horse is terrified to try anything. Uh, He is like, he's just, he won't do it. He will not try because he is afraid that he's going to be wrong. And obviously that's a lot of assumptions, but it seemed very obvious to me because when I could tell he would, he would bump into it with his hooves, he got a very like, when I didn't click after I had raised the criteria a little bit beyond that, like maybe try lifting your knee, you know, waiting to see if he would try a little bit harder per se. Um, and I wasn't getting anything. I was like, I haven't encountered this. The other horse that I worked with this with, the second she was bumping it and getting reinforced for that, and then I stopped, she would lift her knee a little higher. Um, and then I click her for that. And then I keep clicking her for that. And then, you know, maybe the fifth repetition, I would just wait and she'd lift her knee and put it back down. And she'd be like, there was no click. And then she'd lift her knee again and a little higher this time and be like, did you see human? And then I click her for that. And I'd raise the criteria a little bit more after a couple of repetitions of that until she was like, oh, feet on. And it just goes from there. And um, additionally, to back up this claim, uh, we have another horse. I'll insert a picture of him here. His name is Homer. And he, he would like, he's such a goofball would just walk right up on it with like you just lead him to and he's like yeah I put my feet on it obviously uh like what there's no big deal here I'm happy to stand on it um and six after like I I know that he had to have some suspicion that this was the right answer and still just could not bring himself to do it and I was like okay this horse is used to guidance he's used to somebody asserting you know control or like being very clear with him and um basically physically maneuvering his body in order to get the result that would be productive so um that's a long-winded way of saying that but you get it um so I'm like okay I'm on a time crunch I want him to be successful my positive reinforcement trainer in me is like do not physically put the horse in the position that you want them to be in, allow them to come to it. But I was like, okay, I don't have the time and I want to get to a point where the horse is going to be successful. And I don't think that it's going to scare him if I physically put his foot on the pedestal. Um, I'm really fighting saying ramp. I keep wanting to say ramp for some reason. Um, So that's what I did. And I weighed the pros and cons of it. I really was like not wanting to do it, but I was like, I think it's almost more frustrating for him because he kept trying to quit or walk away. And 
you know, we're in an open space. So I had to have a halter and lead rope on him, which was also annoying. I prefer to do this sort of thing at Liberty and give the horse more control. Um, and you know, we would take breaks. I'd let him go graze and hang out for a little bit. And then I'd invite him back with the target stick and he'd come back, but it quickly got to a point where he was getting frustrated and quitting more often. And I was like, okay, next step. Um, in this scenario, since I, I don't have time to go through it properly the way that I want to, let me give this a shot. And so I led him up to it at about the 30-minute mark, asked him to target over it, and he would bump his hooves into it. And um, so I went around, and I held out the target stick in front of his nose and then asked for a foot, and he gave it to me, and I just put his toe you know, on the pedestal and clicked for that and fed him on the pedestal. And after a couple of times of me doing that, he was eating on the pedestal with his, like I was feeding him on top of it with his foot just resting on it. And then after a couple of repetitions, I think I did it like maybe three times, I went back around and asked him to target. And then this time he lifted his knee, you know, instead of just bumping his feet into it, he raised his knee a little bit like, I don't know, is this right? And I I clicked him for it. And I was like, yes, oh my God, yes, you got it. And so I did that a couple more times. And then finally he put a foot on it. And I was like, yes, yes. At about like 40 minutes or so, finally got a foot on it. And um, then he was like, Oh, okay. And then he started having fun with it to the point where he started pawing on it and I would click him for it because I'm like, I don't care if it's pretty right now, if it's like the target behavior, he is putting his foot on it and he is getting a reward for it. Um, so then I clicked him for that and I allowed him to keep doing that until I raised the criteria again and he'd gotten confident putting his feet on it. Um, and the whole time I'm sitting there cheering him on, I'm like, yes, beat it up. This weird ramp, get it. Um, and then finally, uh, I lifted the criteria a little bit more to, um, okay, can you leave your foot on it? So he, I think would put his foot on it and start pawing and then he'd take it off and look at me and he was like, you didn't click. And then he'd do it again and then he'd pause with his foot on it and then I would click. Um, and this was after many, many repetitions of encouraging that pawing. Um, and this is where we start cleaning up the behavior a little bit. So I want him to put his feet on it and rest on it. So, um, the first step to doing that is just putting his foot on it. So the criteria was pretty low at that point. I didn't care how he was doing it, just that he was, um, and now I've raised it to put your foot on it and leave it. And so we got to that point where he was very, very good at that. Um, and I think I just left it at that for that day. And then, um, actually I really don't, I don't know that I did. I think, um, I started targeting lower to where his nose would have to reach a little bit harder and he would already have his back lifted. And so if he just rocked back on his hind end, he could get the other one up. And then we got two feet on the ramp and that was like major celebration day. I'll throw a picture of him on there. Um, and I was just so happy for him. I was like, you did it. You finally got it. Like, amazing you tried and you did it and it's good and just scratching him up and giving him like shoveling treats I had um his grain and alfalfa pellets and so I was giving him a lot of the grain as the high value reinforcer it tastes better than the alfalfa pellets to him and so I was really reinforcing him for that and then I asked him to back off and then get back on and we were good and then I was like okay that's it and I turned him back out and then the next day when I came out, um, we started a little bit further back than where we were. I started with targeting, still good at targeting, led him up to the ramp or the pedestal. Oh my God. And, um, 
he he stopped again and I was like, no, you know, you got it. And I clicked him for just walking up to it because I expected him to go back a little bit. Um, and it's a new day. <laughs> and it's also been like crazy windy here. So we were dealing with some scary environment things like flapping tarps and uh, dogs running around and all sorts of people working and stuff. So it's very distracting here at the moment. Um, but finally, you know, I kept targeting and, um, after like a couple of repetitions, he went ahead and put his foot on it, clicked him for that. And then I targeted him and he pushed his way up onto it, got his front feet on it. And, um, so we were good there and I'm clicking him for it. I'm telling him he's amazing. The most wonderful boy ever. And I started trying to get his back feet up there and he, he would walk forward until his back feet were right at the base of it. And he just, he would not do it. And I was like, okay, well, you know, it is a step up and he doesn't exactly have to step up for this trailer. It has a ramp on it. So, um, maybe that's not something that I really need to harp on and we can just go see how the trailer is. So I got him on and off the pedestal a couple more times because I think a big issue, especially if you have a horse that runs backwards out of the trailer or uh, gets stuck in the trailer and won't back out or only turns around, I think that a big issue that happens in training is you teach the horse how to get onto the trailer maybe, but you don't teach them how to get off because so, so many people are so concerned about the horse getting all the way on that they don't help the horse figure out how to get back off. So when I'm working with a horse on trailering, I, I emphasize as much importance on getting out and off, especially off of a step, um, as I do getting in. So with six, it was really important to me that he gets on and he gets off for the sake of repetition, but also so he learns how to think about his body and maneuver off of something like that without, you know, it being scary and gaining confidence and doing something like that. So, um, that day after, you know, I think it was the second day that he was being really proficient with the pedestal. I took him over to the trailer and, you know, this was a horse that has had multiple days in a row of very consistent, good targeting. And, um, the second we got semi close to the trailer, he planted his feet and I was like, okay, so this is going to be a process. And then it was a while of me, trying different approaches, you know, not walking directly at the trainer trailer, maybe coming from the side. And then I was thinking, okay, so the ramp is down. Maybe if I just ask him to, uh, step up onto the side of the ramp and walk across it sideways, um, that would be more like the pedestal and I can get him comfortable with the ramp that way. Even though that's not how he's going to load, we can get him comfortable with the ramp going like that. And so, you know, I'm approaching it from the side and, um, I'm realizing that I'm running into the same issue that he doesn't even want to get near the trailer. And I'm like, okay, we got to back up. There's no thought in my mind about stepping on the ramp today. It is just being near the trailer. And, um, so he started having a lot of diarrhea and, you know, we're not, I'm not asking him to do anything except be near the trailer. And that was too much. And it, I was like, oh my God, you know, at this point, I'm thinking I only have four days. I had Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. I'm like, I only have four days to get this horse on the trailer. And he's great with the pedestal now, but I can't get him to even look at the trailer still. So we're going to have to address this. And so then I started a little bit further back and just clicked him for looking in its direction, taking a step towards it, just really, really baby stepping it. And um, it, it 
and, and you know, when he would get close to it and like maybe sniff it or look at it, um, then I would click him, reinforce him, and we would walk away from it. And I would let him get back to somewhere he's comfortable and then we'd start again. Um, but still just, it, it was too much and he stopped taking food. And I mean, I can't stress enough, like how probably nominal this looked that we're just walking, you know, maybe still a yard away from the trailer and, um, can't get near it because he was like, no, it's too much. And so I was like, okay, let's go back to the pedestal. I did a couple of repetitions with that and I turned it back out and I was like, okay, maybe tomorrow would be better. Try a different approach tomorrow. And, uh, so at that point I was thinking it was my last day. Um, either that or I talked to my boss that night and realized that, you know, she wasn't going to a regular lesson. So I had a little bit more time. Um, and I was like, okay, bet. So now I have more time to work with him and, uh, got him out, asked him for the pedestal again. And he, he got up on it and just with his front still. And then I took him back over to the trailer and he was a little bit more comfortable heading towards it, still like wanting to walk away from it or approach it from the side or whatever. Um, and then just after a couple of repetitions of me just rewarding him for blowing out his nose, um, for looking at it, for standing still around it, um, I would click him and he, he got more comfortable with it. Um, and then he, he wasn't going over threshold as much as he was the day before. And I was like, okay, cool. So we're starting a little bit ahead today. And, um, I, I walked up in the trailer and just clicked him for hanging out and not immediately leaving, um, and clicked him for looking in the trailer and just being like allowing me to be in there and him not immediately, like not even acknowledging its existence, turning his head away, doing the like really worried, I'm, I'm not looking at you eyes and um, just rewarding him for like being around it and not being super worried. And then I took him back to the pedestal, tried again for the back feet, couldn't get them still. Um, and but, you know, at this point, I'm like, it's really not a big deal if I get his back feet on. Um, and but it would be a nice like additional confidence boost for him, I think. Um, and so we did that a couple more times. And then eventually I just, that was kind of the end of, it was not really a super productive day. Um, and then, uh, when my boss got back, she, um, she actually wrote a Facebook post. I need to, to pull it up here. Um, let me see. Oh, struggling with one hand. I don't know why I'm using one hand. Um, so I, I didn't know that she wrote this and I, I just happened to see it. She said, today I was in Raina stall. She's a broodmare. That's a founder case um, that we rescued while she was pregnant. Very inconvenient. I think I've talked about it in other episodes or on other posts. Um, but today I was in Raina stall brushing her down and looking for her to bag up. We're anxiously awaiting her to have this baby. Um, when I walked out, Six was at the gate and yelled to me. He's never done this before. He talked to me all the way as I walked out to him and he wanted to get out to get worked with. So a bit of backstory is that six hates to get on my trailer and Jill Therese has been working with him with positive reinforcement to get comfortable loading in my trailer. He obviously had a breakthrough moment. He figured out what we want. He walked on the ramp without being worried and <laughs> shitting a dozen times. I always give Jill crap about her positive reinforcement, but today I witnessed that it really works. 
And that was like the biggest trainer boost to me because, you know, like my boss and I are good friends and she lets me do, do what I need. But at the end of the day, most of the time it's like, okay, well I need you to like get on the horse. And I'm like, okay, well I'll do it. And, um, you know, I, it's, it's very common. I'm used to it. And, um, I think a lot of people roll their eyes at positive reinforcement. So it was really awesome to, to see her posting out to other people that like, yes, this actually works. And I saw a difference. So what happened, um, is that that day she calls me and she was like, do you normally work with six around like 2 PM? And I was like, yeah, I do. Why? And she was like, cause he's standing here at the gate whinnying at me and demanding to be out. And she was like, I think he's ready to train. And I was like, that's really weird. He's never done that before. Um, normally I have to like go out and get him. And, um, she was like, yeah, he's, he's really, he's really waiting for you. And she said that she got him out and groomed him and whatever. And she was in the tack room of her trailer because she tacks him up at the trailer and he's totally fine on the side of it, just not anywhere around the edge of it. And he can tell the difference in the context of when you're bringing him to the trailer to tack up and when you're bringing him to the trailer to get on. And, um, she was like, he was, he was lifting his foot near the tack room. She was like, I didn't have him tied. I just had it like the lead rope over my shoulder. And he was lifting his foot, trying to put his foot in the trailer, uh, in the tack room of the trailer. And I was like, what? That's crazy. So, um, I, I quickly like got myself ready and went down there early and, um, got him out. And then I, I went right back to the pedestal and he was super keen for the pedestal and put his front feet up on it like a freaking champ and was like, yeah. And then, um, he, I was like, I really want to get the back feet today. I feel like you're on it and I feel like we can do it. And so I just pushed it a little bit more. And then I saw him lift one of his back. I just saw the back ankle come up a little bit and I clicked him for that. And I was like, yes, you got it. You got it. And, um, then he, he lifted it and set it up all the way on. And I was like, Oh my God. Yes. And so I'm clicking him for that and just clicking, clicking, clicking. And, um, my boss was there and she witnessed him getting on and kind of falling off. Cause he'd put his back feet up and he'd, he'd push up and stand on it, but he couldn't put his back feet on without walking his front feet forward. So that was kind of a learning curve trying to get him to, uh, to figure that situation out. And, um, so I actually, you know what, now that I'm thinking about it, I think that was the day that he, he got his back feet on it and stood either that or it was the following day. My timeline's a little confusing. I didn't write this down and I should have, um, developing a training journal, uh, that will be coming soon. But, um, as such, I don't have one that I use regularly. So, um, should probably plan that a little better, but you know, it's me, but he, um, I can't remember if it was that day or not, but he, he had started doing this thing where he would step up with his back feet and step off with his front feet and then just keep walking his back feet forward until he, he walked off or he kind of like would wobble off the side. But at the same time, like while that sounds like not a super confidence building experience to be falling off of the, the pedestal, he was, I think I've been saying ramp probably, but, um, it was so good. I think my cat is rubbing on the camera. Um, it was so good for him, I think, because he would fall off, but not get rattled. He would just kind of like slowly slide off the side and then just look at me like, Oh, and I would click him for it. I'd be like, yeah, that's good. And you're relaxed after the fact. And he would just settle and be like, okay. 
And so he's not getting worked up when things go wrong. And I think that that is, it was a good opportunity to kind of capture that relaxed reaction where he's looking to me for like, was that good or no? And I'm like, that's not what we're asking for. But, you know, I appreciate that you're trying and that you're staying relaxed about it and it's not totally wigging you out and breaking your confidence. And then we'd go back. Um, so somewhere in there, um, I, it might've been the next day. It might've been that day. Um, I finally, I think it was the day he called. I think my boss witnessed him putting his back feet on and kind of falling off the day before. So like I said, my timeline is a little messy, but the day that he was calling for her, she left before I started working with him and I got him out and was trying for his back feet again and finally got the right ask combination to get him to put that foot up there without taking a step forward with his fronts. And he did it beautifully and he got one up there and then just stayed. And I was like, okay, we just got to get one more foot. And he, he did. And he hopped right up and was like, oh, and I'm just like verbally praising him and just telling him what a good boy he is. I'll throw a picture in here over my lovely cat Zuko that is just insisting on pets. And he's probably going to flop onto my laptop or microphone or something. Um, he always does. Uh, he can't stand the fact that I'm not paying attention to him and talking to you guys. It's myself at the moment. Um, but anyway, so he got up there with all four feet and I just praised the crap out of him and then asked him for it a couple more times. I asked him uh, to walk off forward because that's what he was most comfortable with at first. And then when I got it a couple more times, I started asking him to walk off backwards because like I said, the hind feet were a big point of contention for him where he was really nervous about getting those up onto the pedestal. And so uh, I think it's equally important that he knows how to step off with his back feet and not be so worried about stepping off into the abyss behind himself. That seems very scary for a horse. My boss and I talk about that all the time that like, you don't know where the ground is. You're just stepping backwards and suddenly it's not there and you just have to trust you're going to hit ground at some point. Because as a horse, I mean, you can kind of see around, but the depth perception behind and that far down when the light's changing out of a trailer, like that can be very scary. So um, I had him do that several times and then I reapproached the trailer. And so I, I started with the same tactic of asking him to step across the ramp, just like the pedestal, step up onto it instead of walking onto it, like the ramp. <laughs> and um, he, he, he was trying he would put his foot up and he'd start pawing and I was like oh my god you're amazing yes I have a cat hair on my face somewhere I can see it but I don't know where it is um anyway so he he would walk up and put his foot on it but he wasn't like pressing up you know like he had on the pedestal and I was like okay well maybe let's try the other side and see if I can get a paw and as I had him walking in front of the ramp sideways so like the ramp is like this and he's walking, you know, just in front of it. And he, I, I went all the way over to the side and he just squared himself perpendicular with the trailer where he's set up to load, to walk right in. And he just, I, I, I was like thinking sideways, like I'm not even perceiving what he's doing. And then I, I just look at him and he starts pawing at the ramp lined up perfectly to walk right in and starts pawing. And I was like, oh my God, he did that on his own. That's why that was so big because this was a horse that I couldn't get to try at all in the beginning. 
And now he is of his own accord, lining himself up to the front of the ramp, like he's about to get on the trailer and pawing without being cued or asked to do so. And I was like, that is absolutely huge. And I clicked the snot out of him for that. Um, you know, one time, obviously that's how we train, but I gave him a lot of treats and I had him do it a couple more times. I got it on video. I'll throw a clip here. I think it was like the second time I did it. He, 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 that was huge. And I was like, okay, you're ready to go this way. Cool. So I had him do that a couple more times and then I walked into the trailer and then he, he got a little more nervous and started looking away, but I didn't correct him with the lead rope. I just let him look away if he needed to. And then when he would look back and I could tell he was looking into the trailer, I would click him for that. And then I started holding the target stick out and he, he would come up and his front feet would bump it. I click him for that. Then he'd start pawing and I'd click him for that. And after he got really consistent with that, holding out the target stick, he's pawing, and then I'm, I wait half a beat, and then he just leaves his foot. Click for that. Gradually, we progressed to the point where he was happy to put his feet on the ramp. I'll, I'll be throwing videos in here periodically. I'm not going to say that every time for the audio listeners. It's probably annoying. Um, but he would put his feet on the, the, on the actual ramp itself, and then gradually we got to where he was putting his feet all the way inside the floor of the trailer and his back feet are still on the ground they're not on the ramp um, which adds a little bit more fuel to my thoughts that his back feet are a little bit of the issue there I I got to that point where he's putting his front feet in it of his own volition he's happy to walk up in there he's not turning his head away he's not like trying to leave or walk away and what's really important to note is that this whole time that I worked with him that day and you can see in the video clips you can't see very much because it was really hard to film in there um but he he did not diarrhea at all not once and this was a horse that could not get within 10 feet of the trailer could not look at it and would start just having diarrhea like nervous tummy boy (laughs) and he he is now like putting his front feet in all the way inside the trailer without any of that. And, um, there is a clip. I'll see if I can dig it out. Um, where he, he, he turns away to look at something. Um, I think our, our guy that he was working on a lawnmower that broke down, uh, in sixes like field of vision behind him. And so he looks at it, um, and was like, Oh, something's happening behind me. And then he, he goes to leave and he, he gets to the edge of the ramp and then I'm like, it's okay if you need to back off. And he comes back and looks at me and I clicked him uh, because he, he got nervous about something and started to leave. And even though he was nervous about something and the trailer normally would have been a trigger for him in terms of trigger stacking, um, he, he came back and he settled and he relaxed in the trailer. That's huge. That's so big for him. And so um, that's where I'm at right now with this process. But um, hopefully the next couple of steps will be getting his back feet on the ramp and being content with that and then gradually getting him to get his back feet on and back off. So this whole time that I'm loading his front end, I am intentionally asking him to back away from it. Um, And at first that was more of a, uh, okay, your front feet are on it. Great. Click, treat, hang out for one second. But before you go over threshold, let's get off. And, um, and then building up more duration on the ramp, clicking him just for standing on the ramp and developing that it's a good place to be history, um, that he hasn't had in the past. And so 
um, asking him to back off this whole time, asking him to hang out and be on it as well as get on it. Um, so those are all really big components of this, that the horse has to walk on it, the horse has to stay on it, and the horse has to know how to back off of it. Um, and those are the three key pieces. So now the next steps will be <laughs> literally um, getting his back feet on it and getting his front feet further into it and then backing off from there and then getting further and then backing off and then further and then backing off, spending more time just hanging out in the trailer and then being comfortable backing off. Um, and my my boss said that he's absolutely great when she has gotten him on the trailer and uh, when she goes to let him out, she can like unclip him, undo the partition, clip it back against the wall. And he's standing there free, you know, I mean, he could turn around and bust out of there or he could start backing out and he just waits. And then when she asks him to back, he comes out nice and politely. Um, so he's, he's already pretty good at that. But I, like I said, good training is covering all of your bases and making sure that the horse isn't doing that for some other reason, like needing direction and being afraid to make a move and like, okay, I'm not going to do anything until you explicitly tell me so. Um, so you know, it's just, I'm covering all of the bases, helping him understand like what it is when you ask to go backwards, what the cue is and just adding extra clarity around the whole thing. So that is where I'm at with six. Um, I think that's been a five, six, maybe day long process. Um, yesterday the weather was an absolute washout, torrential downpours and like severe wind. So I wasn't able to work with him at all yesterday. Um, but I will be doing that today. And unfortunately I can't wait till the training is done to get this podcast episode out, but I do think it's, it's helpful to talk about the process and my thought process, how I'm going about doing this with this horse. Um, so that's where we're at. Uh, in my experience with another horse, a client horse that I was talking about before that had a similar issue with the back feet, we got her on the pedestal. She was great walking forward, backing off. She was much quicker to getting on it than six has been. And, um, but we had to start with her walking over poles because at first we couldn't get her to step over a pole or back over a pole. She was like, what is this? Um, and so we had to work up from there and then we worked up to walking forward over a lifted pole and then ask her to back up over a lifted pole. That's kind of ridiculous. Um, stepping off and stepping up over something is different. Um, but we got her to where she's like really thinking about lifting her back feet. And then we would, we put one side of the pole up next to the pedestal. So she'd have to step over it next to the pedestal. And then we moved to the pedestal and then it went from there. Um, and she was really good about it. Um, again with six, I didn't have the time to do all of that, that I wanted to, um, but it worked out. So, you know, there, there are a thousand ways to skin a cat as they say. Um, and not my favorite expression ever. Zuko's like, Ugh. um, my cat, but anyway, so with her, then we put the pedestal in front of the trailer because hers was a step up and got her to step up onto the ramp. And then she basically used it like a stepping stone and then walked right into the trailer. And we only let her get so far before we asked her to back off again. Um, and then a couple more times. And we did this all at Liberty with this horse, no halter, no lead rope, no nothing. Um, just following targets. And, um, then I think, uh, I think I have one video. I'll try and insert it here if I do of her loading at Liberty and just getting in and hanging out inside the trailer. It was such a breakthrough day and it got to where we could, um, 
I think we timed it one day just for fun. We got her loaded without the pedestal, just walking up in, got the partition shut, the back door closed, and the front door closed in 30 seconds. And this was a horse that you could not beat onto the trailer. It it was such a cool learning experience to like really see this horse like super tune into what we were asking her and her to be like so willing, so smart, intelligent. And these are two chestnuts, by the way. Um, so just breaking stereotypes. Um, and she was the antithesis of the redheaded chestnut mare. Um, you know, she was just absolutely delightful and I miss her. But um, yeah, so that's that's where we're at. I'm hoping to get six to that point. It, like I said, it's annoying to me that I have to use the leader up and halter, but it's a big wide open space. And at present, we don't really have anywhere because our arena is not fenced at the moment. We're working on that. Um but we don't really have anywhere that we could super work on this with him uh, at Liberty. So I'm hoping that, you know, like I said, we'll be able to do that at some point. Uh, it would be nice to do that with the babies, even though they all loaded pretty well. But we also did that at Liberty and uh, just backed them up to the field. And they walked on the trailer of their own volition and we're like, OK, cool. And then uh, we backed up to the field they were going to go out in and open the door <laughs> and said, see ya. And they all walked off rather calmly. Nobody busted out like an idiot. Um, but you know, I think, I think it's really, really important to focus on making trailering a positive experience that the horse is allowed time to process and get comfortable and not just walk up in and get locked in and you're off to the races. Um, and I think that's what happens with a lot of thoroughbreds, particularly, especially here in the South, there is very minimal training and a lot of being thrown in the deep end, swim or die. And so with six, really taking the time to allow him to get comfortable in this space and like suss it out, sniff it, be in it, interact with it, make loud sounds pawing with his hoof, which is like, I think a lot of people hate pawing uh, and it can be annoying sometimes, but also he's intentionally making very loud sounds himself and is comfortable with that. And trailers are very loud. So I'm not mad at him for doing that. And, you know, ultimately we build up to just walking on without that. Um, and he did the final day, uh, like after I asked him to back off a couple of times, he would just walk right on without the pawing. Um, and it just, it fades out and, you know, behavior comes in waves and you have to pick what you're focusing on. And like, my goal was just get a foot on it. I don't care what it's doing, how it's doing it. But as long as it's on there, that's the criteria right now. And then after we get really good at that, then I'll start, you know, refining it a little bit to where now the behavior is put your foot on it and leave it and then put your other foot on it and leave it and then pick up the other foot and walk forward. Um, you know, slowly building up that criteria to where it's bite size, it's manageable. You can be consistent and you can build up a reinforcement history with those behaviors and really help encourage the horse along the right way. So I hope this episode has been helpful, educational, and if you need more resources on trailer loading, I do have a page on equitheory.com under the topics heading. You can click topics and then just hit uh, trailer loading once you're on that page. And there are a bunch of resources and some studies and stuff that discuss it, as well as other podcasts that discuss it. Um, so, you know, get your full trailer loading dose. And yeah, so hopefully you guys have enjoyed this episode and thank you so much for listening. I know this is a bit of a long one. I was trying to keep it at an hour, but I uh, started talking really fast at the end there for that reason. But um, yeah, thank you guys so much for watching and listening. Uh, 
the merch drop will also be happening today. This is a little bit of a late plug in the episode, but uh, the same day that this episode is live, the merch will be live as well. Um, Full disclosure, I still have some stuff to sort out, hoping I get that done today. Um, And yeah, follow Equitheory on the socials and uh, Jet Equitheory everywhere. Uh, I think I only have Equitheory on Instagram and Facebook, but Jet Equitheory everywhere else. Uh, check us out. See what I'm doing with the horses. I'll be posting some pictures and videos of six loading on the trailer. And um, yeah, I'll catch you guys next week. Thanks so much. Bye. Okay, so naturally, right after I get done recording this, I'm exporting it. All of that is going well. Naturally. Um I went out and worked with Six, and oh my god, he got all four feet on the trailer, and walked right up in there, and hung out, then I asked him to back out, and we did it two more times, so in conclusion, slow and steady wins the race, and I'm slow and sweaty now, so um, that's where I'll leave you. Okay, now bye. (laughs)